Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Sheila, this book really, um, I I, I Instagrammed this week. I have over 10,000 books in my library. Um, I appreciate Keenan so much and what he said because readers are leaders. And when you read somebody's book, you read the best part of them. And uh, I want you to, many of you have gotten Sheila's book already, but I want to encourage you to get it for somebody else. I think this is one of the most important books for me personally. And again, I've read and read and read and read because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I want to learn. I want to grow. I'm not there yet. How many of y'all think you need some help with your thinking? Come on. And that's what this book really does. There's, there's not another book like it. There's books on legacy, but there's not books like this that you've got to live the legacy that you want to leave. And I, first of all, I want to say again, as we end this series, that this series will never end because this is the story that we're all a part of, that we're all writing, that God wants us to live the legacy that, that he wants to leave in and through our life and because of our life. And we just need some help along the way, Sheila, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to say to you how proud I am of you. Thank you for taking the time to put this together. You know, Sheila, many of y'all know this story, but um, we went to high school and college together. And um, she was always so stinking smart, man. I was just like, okay. And uh, she was like, got a leadership scholarship. The only person in our high school to get a leadership scholarship. I go, I'm marrying her, man. I am marrying her. And then we go to college and you get the gold cords like summa cum laude and all that. But you didn't get a standing ovation. Like I, when I got my degree, everybody said, he's a, man, that guy's got brain damage. He suffocated to death. He graduated from college. And I'm going, oh, Mary and Sheila. Anyway, and so, um, so the, the truth is you really are a very smart person. And I know you don't like, no, Wait, no. I know you don't like, I know you don't listen, like me to say that. Listen, it's not always the no, smartest no, that listen. wins, right? It, it the people about that. that achieve and get to the top, it's the ones that work the hardest. It's the one that pursues their dreams and the, the visions that they see for their lives. So, you know, Still, you can you're say smart. all that. Still, you're smart. That's but... all I'm saying. I, it's, <laughs> uh, you're, everything you're saying is true and I agree with it. But you're, you're really smart. And you get to read, you get to read her smartness in this book and, and it will, it will challenge you and, and, and change you. So again, I want to thank you, Sheila. I want us to talk today as we, as we end this series, and I want to jump right into this because we've got a lot to say. Uh, and, and I want to leave you with this, with this thought process. It's hard for me to lean back and talk, but I want to leave you with this thought process. And that is to think legacy, to think legacy. And, um, and so one of the things like this, not this week, but next week, I'll be doing an elite mastermind in Florida with business leaders. And one of the things that we're going to talk about, they don't even know that we're going to talk about, but is our thinking is one of our superpowers. Like you don't realize this, but you have a superpower. And if somebody would say, well, what's your superpower? It's, it's the way that you think. And so one of the things that I'm going to do in this particular mastermind is I'm going to emphasize basically how to develop the superpower of your thinking and that thinking is your greatest skill like how you think what, what you heard from Keenan is you heard you you can just listen to him and you can tell he's a great thinker can't you can't you tell that he's a great thinker in other words he's processed through his own tough times I mean he's processed through through um, you know his own life through the good times and through the bad times and so he's become a great thinker 
And I've always said this, and I'm going to say it again. This is to everybody. But when you are paid for the way that you think rather than what you do, you'll always be paid more. And so, uh, so you'll hear me say that from time to time because the way that you think is the most important part about you, how you think about everything. That's why if you're ever stuck, no matter where you're stuck, it's a result of your thinking. It's not like a result of a, an opportunity gone bad or, or, hey, this, you know, I got fired or financially I just can't figure out how to make it and go to the next level. So, so the, the best way to get unstuck is to unstick your thinking. And so I've emphasized a lot about that. But uh, so I want to talk to you about some things as far as when we're thinking legacy that I hope will really resonate with you. Remember, through our Elevate app, you can always get the notes or through our uh, website, elevate.life. You can always get the notes if you're watching uh, on YouTube, Facebook, or some other digital source that I'm unaware of, Twitter. I know that Jack Dorsey's watching. Thank you for watching, Jack Dorsey. Anyway, so uh, that's all I'll say about that. But how do you think legacy? Let's go, let's get into this. First of all, think biblically. So don't think black, don't think white, don't think American. Don't, don't think based on just your past experience. Think biblically. So how do you think biblically? You think biblically with a biblical worldview. And if there's one chapter that I would like to encourage you to become very familiar with for your own life, it would be the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's Psalms 119. And I want to encourage you because this is the biblical thinking chapter, all right? So I'm going to take just a second and I'm going to read you some biblical thoughts, okay? Just a thought process that will hopefully help shape your worldview. How blessed and favored by God. Let's stop right there. How many of you want to be blessed and favored by God? How blessed and favored by God are those whose way is blameless, those with personal integrity, the upright, the guileless, who walk in the law and who are guided by the precepts and revealed will of the Lord. How blessed and favored. Blessed and favored by God are those who keep his testimonies. What what is this book full of? This book, the word of God, is full of testimonies. It's full of people like Kenan who have passed their test that now have a testimony. So it says blessed and favored by God are those who keep his testimonies and who consistently, everybody say consistently. Let me pause right here and just say consistency is the key to all long-term success. It's keep doing the same things over and over and over and persisting in those things. In fact, I'm going to just take time just to draw an invisible triangle here. Let me just teach this to you. You've got to, you've got to be consistent. You've got to do the same things over and over. God made you a creature of habit. Most people just say they give in to the habit forces in their life because your habits will become a force in your life for good or for evil, for light or darkness. God created you to be a creature of habit. Say, why would he do that to me? Because he wants you to know whatever you do, good or bad, over and over and over becomes a habit force in your life. And whatever you're consistent at becomes instinctive. That's what's so powerful. That when you become consistent in your seeking God, 
and you long for him with all of your heart, then what happens is then the other side of the triad or the triangle is persistence. You keep doing what you know to do even when doing what you know to do doesn't seem to be getting any results. Think about your marriage now. Consistent. I'm going to be a consistent person. I'm going to be consistent. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm not going to be different in different seasons. There are people who are not in my life anymore at now as I approach 61 because they're just inconsistent. Like, like if you'll think about it, who, who wants to have an inconsistent friend? Who wants to have a kind of a friend or a spouse who you don't know what you're going to get in whatever season? If they go through something hard, then man, they're just going to be in the gutter or be in the pit for the longest time. And they're just inconsistent and they're just, they're just up and down. That's how a lot of people are in their life. And they can't figure out, that's one of the secrets of great alignments, by the way. You, you, you'll have great relationships in your life if you'll be a consistent person. But now watch this. Then you've got to persist right-hand side of the triangle. You gotta keep doing what you know to do, even when doing what you know to do doesn't seem to be getting results. Yeah, but I'm tired. That's why the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, in your season. Look at somebody say, it's your season. Come on, look at him. it's your season. In, in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Why would that be in the Bible? It's in the Bible because you're gonna feel like quitting. You're gonna feel like it's not working. You're gonna feel like it's not worth it. So consistent, persistent, now watch this, at the top, omnipotence. Omnipotence means all power. How do you get all power in any area of your life? I can do all things, not some things. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength, all the things that I decide to do. Omnipotence is a word that normally is reserved for God, but I wanna remind you that you are God's son, you are God's daughter, you are God's seed, and omnipotence is for you. He wants you to be powerful. That didn't mean loud, I just am loud. Passion doesn't have to be loud, but for me it just seems to always be. But listen, if I'm consistent, I start to succeed. Then I have to persist. That's the second test. If I can continue to persist, omnipotence, I gain power. Wow. Wow. They do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should follow them with careful or mindful diligence. Oh, that my ways may be established to observe and keep your statutes obediently accepting and honoring them. I love what Kenan said when he said, you know, really, I guess maybe in the last two years of prison, you begin to learn about honor and how important that honor is. So if consistency is the key for all long-term success, what is honor? Honor is the one thing that if you get it, it is the key to everything else working in your life like God wants it to work. So watch this. Oh, that my ways may be established to observe and keep your statutes, obey, obediently accepting and honoring them. Then I will not be ashamed when I look with respect to all your commandments as my God. I will give thanks to you with an upright heart. When I learn, this is the tough part, through discipline. <laughs> Don't you love that word? Discipline. Everybody, listen, can I just tell you something? There is nobody that's just, automatically disciplined. 
That person is so disciplined. That means they have just kicked their own tail over and over and over, Sheila. And discipline, the amazing thing about discipline is it's developed by consistency and persistence. How do I become a more disciplined person? Just be more consistent. So I went to get some blood drawn out yesterday. And, uh, you know, my superhuman blood, every once in a while, it's so powerful it can kill me. And so uh, it's really the truth. And, um, and so they had to draw a pine out. So I'm talking to the nurse, very sweet, sweet girl. She said her and her husband are going to come visit our church. But uh, she was not an African-American. She was just an American. Thank you, Keenan, for that distinction. By the way, some people don't know where African-American came from. You see, in the early 50s and 60s, when black people were referred to as Negroes, Thurgood Marshall said, and you go look at it, go look it up. Thurgood Marshall said, we, we're not gonna be called Negro anymore or black people anymore. We're gonna be called African-Americans. And so he shifted it. And that's where African-American came from. And so anyway, it's just a little history. It's good to know history. So you'll know who you are. I said, so you'll know who you are no matter who you are. And the narratives along the way, well, we're not going to be called this anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. Listen, you're called who God says you are. You're God's child. That's it. That's it. So when I learned through discipline, your righteousness or your way of doing things for my transgressions, I will keep your statutes. Do not abandon me when I fall. How many of y'all don't want God to abandon you? He won't. He won't if you'll keep getting back up. How can a young man keep his way pure? Man, I used to ask that, but you made it so hard on me. All by fault. To be pure. <laughs> We'd be having a devotion. All of a sudden, you'd reach over, start rubbing my leg. Here I am, a high school boy. I'm talking about the things of God, and you're just, you're just all of a sudden, man, like getting my mind off the things of Christ pure how can a man remain pure and you've had no other thoughts than that by keeping school, watch right? <laughs> how can a man remain pure by keeping watch on himself not blaming her Adam where are you Adam where are you uh, I was hiding why were you hiding well because I was naked well who told you you were naked well, if I can just cut to the chase, God, uh, that woman that uh, you uh, gave me, like I was doing okay, then all of a sudden, there she is out of nowhere. Like I went to sleep, wake up, she's there. And man, my life, it, it's, it's, it's been hard since then, God. You know, I mean, I'm your son, I'm Adam, I'm Yad Gabor, I'm the ultimate male, but then you give me this woman. And, you know, the other day, I mean, I, I was cool being naked. She was naked. We're, life was good. But I saw her over there, like, rustling around that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I walked over there, and uh, she's having this conversation with the serpent. And God, I tell you what, man, in just a second, she, she, she took the fruit, and she ate it. And then, and then God, she gave it to me. What, what's a, God, what's a guy supposed to do? I mean, she gave, she gave me her fruit. How can a young man keep his way by keeping watch? Would y'all just say this? On himself. Is it up there somewhere? On himself. According to your word, 
confirming his life, conforming his life to your precepts. With all my heart, I've sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments, neither through ignorance nor by willful disobedience. Wow. How do you think legacy? You, you start thinking with a biblical worldview. Your word I've treasured and stored in my heart. This is what keeps me from sinning. How many of y'all uh, have a problem sometimes? You just like, I don't want to do this, but then you find yourself doing it. Right? Whoever didn't raise up your hand, Lord, I just cast a spirit of passivity, stupidity, ignorance. I'm going to give you one more chance. How many of you have a problem sometimes like, you, you know you should do the right thing, but you do the wrong thing, okay? Here's what, here's what the writer of Psalms 119 says. He said, I've treasured and I've stored in my heart your word so that I don't sin. Blessed and reverently praised are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I've told all of your ordinances. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimony. I could go on and on, y'all. Would you read the chapter? Make me understand, Psalms 119, 27, the way of your precepts, so I will meditate, focus my thoughts on your wonderful works. Hey, it's hard to have a bad day when you're focusing on the wonderful works of God. It's hard to be negative when you know how much God's done for you. Verse 29 and 30, remove from me the way of falsehood and unfaithfulness and graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. Uh, Psalms 119, 33 and 35, teach me, O Lord, your way. This is the whole chapter. Biblical worldview, to think biblically. 37, 38, turn my eyes away from vanity. All those worldly, meaningless things that distract, let your priorities be mine. Would you put your hand on your heart one more time? Come on, everybody. Just say, let your priorities be mine. And restore me with renewed energy in your ways. Establish your word and confirm your promises. Psalm, uh, verse 45, I will walk in freedom. Father, I just declare over every person in this house, over every person watching, that we will have the capacity, the power, the, the, the omnipotence to walk in freedom. Come on, put an amen on that. This has become mine, the gift of your grace. Wow, isn't that beautiful? The gift of your grace that I observe your precepts. I accept them with loving obedience. The Lord is my portion. The Lord, ah, oh, I love that. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I've sought your favor with all my heart. Be merciful. Come on, y'all need mercy. Do you need God's mercy today? Be merciful to me, God. Verse, verse 68, you are good and you do good. So God, teach me that. Like you're good and you do good. Teach me that. Verse 72, the law from, from your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Some of y'all are seeking gold and silver, and it's okay to seek to make money and do what you do for the kingdom. But he says, listen, your words are better to me than that. He goes on to say, forever, O Lord, verse 89, 91, your word is settled in heaven, and your faithfulness continues from generation to generation. Put an amen on that. I am yours, I am yours. Save me as your own, for I have diligently sought you. Verse 98 and 99, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. I speak the wisdom of God over you, wiser than your enemies in Jesus' name. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And I love this, 
Your word, read it with me if you can read that. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. How do you think legacy? You think biblically. So make that one of your favorite passages, one of your favorite chapters in the Bible so you can think biblically. Well, I think too, you know, as you've read these scriptures over us, it's, I mean, isn't it so encouraging when you hear the word of God? It just, it motivates you. It encourages you. It's like, yes, I can do that. Yes, I want freedom in my life. I, but you know what happens many times? We hear a lot more words that are on our TV screens, the negativity and the things that are being spoken over us that I think so many times we don't realize, why don't we get this kingdom mindset? Why yeah. don't we have a biblical worldview? But if you don't know the word of God, and there's no condemnation, you know, I think a lot of times people feel like, man, I just want to know the word more. Well, you know what that takes? It takes you getting in the word. Yeah. It's opening your Bible. It's it's taking every day and going through and reading a chapter a day, the book of Proverbs. You can take one chapter a day and just go through that. But so many times people are intimidated by the Bible. Like, where do I start? And, and it starts by you just opening it up so that you can really understand yeah. and get a biblical worldview. Because yeah. if you don't know what the Bible says, it's really hard Most to people have a know biblical worldview. They're being discipled by CNN. They're being discipled by Fox News. They're, being, they're listening to the word, to everybody else's word. Your word is true. I said, your word is true. You need to watch what you expose yourself to. It gives you faith and hope and yeah. belief and confidence. Right. And so when you talk about just the negativity, I can be there. I can live there. That's one of the greatest things that I struggle with is my I negative thoughts. I would call it the greatest thing. No, just my negative thoughts. Nobody Maybe knows. Maybe the worst thing. Nobody knows, though. Nobody knows your thoughts, yeah. right? And I really battle in my own mind when tough times come that it's like, God, I'm just going to trust you in the midst of tough times. I'm not going to just look at maybe what the circumstance is right now, but I'm going to trust and believe that you really are working all things together for my good, yeah. even when I can't see it. But so many times that affects our you're so view. sweet when you're talking. <laughs> it so does. Sweet. It affects my view. It affects my life. And I can, you know, I can get emotional about that because I think about your lives. I think about the tough times that you go through and some of the battles that some of you are facing. That sometimes it's hard to believe and get this biblical worldview because you're saying, God, I want to believe. I want to believe what your word yeah. says, but I don't see it coming about in my life. So how do I keep standing and keep believing that, God, your way is better than my way and my natural way of thinking? And so that we can really live with that biblical worldview yeah. and have a kingdom mindset. <laughs> You're my teacher. Okay, think biblical with a biblical worldview. Here's a second way to think legacy. Think kingdom mindset. We talked a lot about this. I'll just simply say this. The kingdom is, so kingdom mindset, quick review. It's the rule of God. It's the territory that's governed by God. It's the realm in which God's will, God's purposes, God's plans, God's desires are fulfilled. A mindset, no matter what your mindset is, it's a focused mental attitude or disposition, which means from the inside out, by design or by default that predetermines or decides in advance a person's responses to and the interpretations of any situation. So here's the problem. Leave that up there, guys. Most of us, we don't realize how powerful our our mindset is and we can't figure out like why am I not winning like I want to win I'm not winning because I'm predetermining by default 
based on my mindset rather than predetermining based on my kingdom mindset what's going to happen when good things happen, when bad things happen. I'm predetermining. So you don't, some of you don't realize this, but your mindset predetermines you. That's why you need to challenge your mindset. I've got to think kingdom and I've got to now take my mindset and I've got to have a kingdom mindset. So considering these definitions, a kingdom mindset now, watch this, is a focused mental attitude or disposition ruled by God. Frank, are you getting this way up there? I love you, Frank. Is that your grandbaby? How beautiful. Don't think I don't see you. If I can see you, I can see everybody. Because here's what I can tell you. God knows what we're thinking. And when I focus my mental attitude, hey, please don't show that empty room again. Uh, <laughs> just glad y'all are in the room. A focused mental attitude or disposition ruled by God, governed by his perspective. Would you say that with me? You say, God, govern my perspective by your perspective. Will, purposes, plans, desires that predetermines or decides in advance a person's responses to and the interpretations of, of situations. So how do I take control of my life when there's uncontrollable things that happen? I get a kingdom mindset. Uh, Sheila, one of the new and really, when I say new, because we've been doing this 20 years, one of our newer friends uh, had something that happened to him recently. I want you to watch this story. This is Rod Query. Watch this. My name is Rod Query, and my wife Nancy and I have been attending Elevate Life Church for a little over a year now. We have been married for 30 years, and we've been in ministry for that entire 30 years. We started coming to Elevate Life Church um, last October after we moved uh, from Illinois. I had retired out of full-time ministry and had started my own consulting firm to help other churches. And we had the opportunity to move here for my wife's work. In January, the opportunity came for us to um, join Mastermind. And we talked about it, and we said this was a, a, an event that we could not pass up, that I really wanted to be a part of it, not only for the aspect to network with everybody, but to be able to be mentored and uh, in business and in my life. I've really come to the place of understanding what it means to be at the right place at the right time with the right people because we have experienced our whole right alignments. We came back on August 2nd and that was our homecoming series and Pastor Keith came out that Sunday morning. I have been in ministry, as I said, for 30 years, but something happened. He was talking about ideals and reality and the expectations. Those unmet expectations turn into unrealistic expectations. Why? Because I thought it was gonna be this way, but you weren't that way. So the next question is, were you? The ideal didn't work, did it? The reality established the truth and the truth is I can't do this. Now there's an expectation, so watch this. From our expectations stem all of our frustrations. As I followed along listening to him talking, something hit that said, this is what's been going on in your life for so many years that you just haven't been able to put your finger on. And I realized that I had had a great life in ministry and in different careers that I've always had, but I've lived my life with frustration, disillusionment, and disappointment. 
And he wrote those three words up on the screen that morning and it hit me like a, a ton of bricks. That's what I've been living in my entire life. Even though I'd had great success, I realized that I'd lived my life in frustration. And I immediately in my mind, I began to tear up as pastor was talking. And I just kind of in my own mind whispered, God, how do I get out of this? And then he began to talk about a kingdom mindset. Because we in this room live under the rule of God. And so we got to find out, okay, how do, I, how do I make my mindset line up with what God wants for my life? And how can I predispose myself, take a position before something happens that I will get through no matter what happens because I've already decided before the storm hits, here's what I'm going to do when I have a storm. That morning just completely changed my life. I remember sitting up in row H in the bowl and my wife leaned over and grabbed my hand and I began to to cry. What happened after that was just phenomenal because we've had probably the worst year of our marriage and the worst year of our lives this last year and still God began to speak. And as of August 2nd, when I began declaring a kingdom mindset everything changed. We unexpectedly had to move out of the home that we were in, and yet I saw it through a whole different lens. So I'm like, okay, God, you must have a better plan. Um, my mother ended up having to have a back surgery, and you know, we're praying through that, and just like, okay, God, what's going on? You know, we're gonna look at this through a kingdom mindset. My son um, ended up going through a divorce, having to deal with what are they gonna do with their five-year-old, and all that stuff, and we just began to see things through a kingdom mindset that we had never looked at before. August 2nd happened. August 5th, I went to my mastermind. I walked in that morning and Pastor Keith began to prophesy over me. And he said in that moment, everything that you have been working up to in your life, all of your education, your experiences, your background has been scaffolding for what God is about ready to do in your life. And then he, he began to teach in the masterminds and share um, more in depth about reality and um, ideals and expectations. And literally within the next five to six weeks in our life, our life completely turned around. Our life completely changed. Opportunities opened, double-double happened for us. And everything that I had lived my life for um, just opened up in a way that I could never have even orchestrated. Being surrounded by people of like faith, people who are supporting you, people who are praying for you, um, was probably the most encouraging thing for us during this last um, several months. One of the small groups we got involved in was the Wednesday night um, elevated marriages. And I would tell people, you've got to get involved in a small group in a big church. Uh, that's what makes the church work. You have to have the ability to surround yourself with people who are going through the same stuff you're going through. And I just really have bought in so much to the vision here about how we you know, go through and we know God and we go and serve and we sow generously. All of those values have been instilled in us. And that, that Sunday just again changed my life because I was open. I don't know if a year ago, if that word had been spoken, if I really would have been open enough. I was in a place in my life again where I was aligned with the right people at the right place at the right time. 
Where, where the relationship thing is, is when you start finding a group that you can connect with, all of a sudden you realize, man, I'm not in this by myself and I have other people who can uh, walk this journey with me. So, I want, you to, I want you to make this natural, supernatural correlation. When his thinking changed, in five weeks, his life changed. And you're talking about a guy that has a master's in organizational leadership. He's been in full-time ministry 30 years, has a consulting firm, and sitting right up there in row H on August 2nd, his mindset changed and it only took five weeks for double-double to happen. Now, if we didn't tell you those stories, you wouldn't believe it could be true. But I'm here today to tell you, if you'll think legacy by thinking biblical, by thinking a kingdom mindset, God will turn things around for you quicker than you could have ever asked or thought in Jesus' name. Amen? So, this is, I'm going to fast forward, Sheila, because I want to get to the last thing. And that is to think generationally. If you're going to think legacy, you've got to think biblically with a biblical worldview. Again, start Psalms 119. Be in the house of God. When you elevate your thinking, come on, help me. You elevate your life. So get, think kingdom mindset. We want to help you do that. And then lastly, Sheila, think generationally. And really that's what this book is about. I want to draw your attention to Psalms 71, verse 17 and 8. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, still can't believe I've got gray hair, man. Let it go. I used to be Josh's <laughs> brother. We'd be out all the time. This happened, didn't it? And they go, are y'all brothers? And I go, I'm sorry, son. Then when my hair went gray, they don't say that anymore. Anyway, so, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. So y'all listen, I might be wrong about this, but here's why I think I'm gonna live a long time. And here's why I think you're gonna live a long time if we do our part. God needs some people who are gonna pass this along generationally. And in our church, I want us to be able to do that. Joel 1 verse 3 says, tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children to the next generation. Sheila, in your book, we, we talked about it, I think, this, the first week, but I wanted to talk about it again, the monarch butterfly. Talk about that. This is so powerful because God uses everything in the natural as a supernatural correlation. So just listen to this because it's insight by God to us that Kenan, we had to study it to find it, but this is a truth from God. Watch this. We also see generations in the creation of every living creature. The monarch butterfly is beautiful, fascinating, and complex and was created from a caterpillar in eight days. In the butterfly, we see God's sovereignty and wisdom in his design. Monarch butterflies may take as many as five generations to make it from Mexico to southern Canada and back again. The monarch parents start their migration northward. They hatch their eggs, die, and then the next generation continues the journey. 
the total time frame for one butterfly's life cycle is about six to eight weeks, which is one generation. Now so listen wait, to this. So wait, stop that. The total life cycle is six to eight weeks. What if you had six to eight weeks to do what God put you on the earth to do? Go ahead, Sheila. But when it gets to this second and third generation, the journey, the, the first generation started. The fourth generation, however, is different. It will live six to eight months. So like, how is that just even possible? By the time it gets to the fourth generation, it doesn't live six to eight weeks. It lives eight, uh, six to eight months. So you're, I want you to picture this. Your downline, generationally, is there's gonna be certain time frames that are given and then boom, at some point, I believe by the fourth generation, it goes exponential. And we've got to think like this. And so what happens, they awaken every February or March to repeat the process. So goes the family tree of the butterfly. God designed us, if God thinks generationally about the butterfly, how much more does he value the ways in which human generations relate one to another? I just wanted to say this, because I know you've got a lot more to, to say. No, keep, keep but, the butterflies going. This is, I, I just, I, I'm just, so fascinated by yeah. it. Yeah. But you know, when I think about my family. I want to be the bird. <laughs> is that a hummingbird? No. It's, it's a, a camera. It's a camera. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. I want to be the bird. But when I think about my family's legacy, and maybe you can think too about yours, and you know, all of us have different legacies that have been left to us, and some have been good, and some of them maybe have not been so good, but we can all learn and grow from whatever legacies have been handed down to us, that we'll take the good and we'll take the bad and apply whatever we need to apply. And that's what we've done even in both of our families and made that decision. But just really quick, my family was born and raised, uh, my dad was born and raised in China. But just a really quick story of how my great, 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 great uncle went over to China as a single man, met his wife, uh, and uh, when they, they married, they had a son, she got uh, po um, smallpox and passed away, and then he passed away within a month. And so the Chinese were very superstitious, and they would not allow him to, to bury his family members in the, the graveyard, the Chinese graveyard. So he had to go by land, and he had to wait till the winter was over because the, the ground was very hard to wait to bury his family members. So what he did is when he bought the land, he put it in the church's name. Well, fast forward like many generations, two and three generations past that, the communists had come in and taken over. My parents had left, or my, my dad had left with his family. They came back, and when they came back, they said that when the communists had, had taken over and they let people back into the country, they said, whoever could say that this property belonged to you, you have it documented, then you could take ownership of that land. That land was put in the church's name. He did not put it in his own personal name, put it in the church's name. So they were able to establish a church on that property. This is many generations later, all because one man was not allowed to bury his family in a Chinese graveyard and was just by a thought from God, put it in a church's name. So to this day, there is uh, churches that are over a thousand, two thousand, many of, of it that have been established because of that one seed that was planted in the ground, that mother and that son that was planted. Now hundreds have heard the gospel. Of course, there's a lot going on in China, China right now, and they're not even allowing 
the young um, generation, the young, if you're 18 or under, they have cameras in all the churches. They do not allow anybody that's 18 or under to go to a church. But those churches still exist today all because of a great, 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 great uncle that I had that he never saw. He never saw the hospital that was built. He never saw the hundreds of thousands of people that have come to Christ all because of his wife and son, the grief that he went through, but his wife and son that passed away, the seed he planted in the ground, and all those generations later, how many people have come to Christ. Out of his greatest devastation, out of his greatest loss, came a type of grit, which we start next week, a series called Gritful, came a type of grit that he bought land to bury his wife that today has ch a church Siri, on it and now, Could you say it again, please? Uh, yes, I am saying it, Siri. I'm not sure how you came on, <laughs> but you know what? You're listening to me and so is a bunch of people. So thank you so much, Instagram and Jack and whoever else may be listening to what I'm saying right now, but you can't shut me down and you can't shut the message off and you can't interrupt me. Okay, Sheila, stand up. <laughs> I just have to throw some stuff in that's funny. <clears throat> I wanna close by saying this, it's really a whole lot more than we can say. But Sheila, this is the thought that came to me. What kind of talks should you be having with your kids? I want you to really hear me. I don't wanna come across wrong here, but I want you to really hear me. My parents took me to church and I'm grateful for that. But my dad never talked to me about money. My dad never talked to me about sex. My dad never talked to me about relationships. My dad never talked to me about what was important in our family. I'm not saying to dishonor my dad. I'm saying my dad didn't know because he didn't have a dad. And maybe you don't know, but you do have a dad. You say, no, I don't have a dad. There's a spiritual father right here. I'm not asking to be your spiritual father, but I'm gonna to speak to you as a spiritual father because if you're a parent, these are the talks that you should be having. And this is one of the reasons I can't go into major detail every weekend on services. And this is why I coach. This is why I do masterminds. This is why we do elite masterminds. This is why we're starting a couples mastermind, couples only mastermind in January. Why? So we can dial in some of these things. But these are, the, these are the things that you should be talking to your children about. First, what it means to have a kingdom and a growth mindset. In other words, as a family, here's how we think. My daughter's sitting right here. Josh is on vacation at Disney World wearing a mask. Um, Whitney will be here the second service. But these are things that I would talk to my kids about. This is, we are crafts. This is how we think. But guess what? Most families, and the family probably that many of you came up in, you thought the thoughts were by default, not by design. You've got to teach your children, this is how we think. And start with the kingdom mindset. And you can go to YouTube and all the stuff I taught on it is there. You need to be talking to your children about a God first life. The importance of putting God first with their time, their talent, and their treasure. Why? Because as a family, you need to be talking to them about, this is how we prioritize as a family. When you're not living here anymore, you can go do whatever you want. But right now, this is the priorities of our family. This is how we live. This is what we do. Next, you need to be talking to your family about core values. This is what matters most in our family. 
And many of you know the story. Josh now has our family crest and our family core values tattooed on his body. I never liked tattoos until he did that. Now I like tattoos. And then he also has tattooed the next thing, and that is your fam our family mission statement. You need to be talking about your family mission statement. Most people don't know how to do a family mission statement. In my elite mastermind uh, several weeks ago when we met in my home, that was one thing I did. I took people through a process of how to develop a personal family mission statement. Our mission statement was so important in our family that again, my firstborn son has it tattooed on his body. And some of you heard the story. He has it tattooed right here. I said, why don't you put it right there, son? He said, nobody knows this, dad, but when I, I knew I was gonna be preaching. And so our family mission statement is in front of me every time I preach. Most of us never were, ta were not taught that. In this house, you can be taught that. Keila, stand up real quick. Come up here, girl. Test. What's our family mission statement? Turn it on. It is on. Okay. I'll do it again. Hi. Never allow good to be robber of the best. Never allow the good to be robber of the best. That's a family mission statement. Again, these are important things that you dial in with your kids. You should be having a, a talk with your kids about family culture. This is how we act in our family. And this is how we don't act. Not good boys do this and good girls do this. But in our family culture... Here's our attitudes, our behaves, and our, 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 our beliefs. Attitude, behaviors, and beliefs. You should be talking financial philosophy with your kids. But again, most people don't know, they don't even have a financial philosophy. So how can I talk to my kids about financial philosophy? Sheila, I meant to have it, we'll have it out here in the second service. But Pastor Sheila, listen to this, put the picture on the screen if we've got it. Pastor Sheila, during the pandemic, plandemic, scamdemic, she put together again, uh, what we used to teach and travel and sell way back in the strike force days, Jeremy, and that is a, a financial system for children. It's called the First Bank of Me. She's just finished the book. Show the, show the next picture, next slide, guys. Uh, and it, there's actually, uh, this is, there's a, a chore chart, a reward chart. Um, in other words, every day, it's, it's a system. We don't have time to go into it but we're gonna offer it very soon for you. It's not quite completed, but we're gonna offer it to you so you can maybe learn about what your financial philosophy is for your family, but also teach that to your kids. It's so important. Most of us never, we're, we were never taught that. My parents didn't have a financial philosophy. They had no financial literacy. You know what their financial philosophy was? Let's make it to the next paycheck. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Let's make sure we can pay our house payment. Let's make sure we can pay our bills. That was it. We should be, when you talk about thinking legacy, we should be talking to our kids about our financial philosophy. Again, we wanna help you teach that. Oh, so Sheila, you were gonna say something about that, about your. Well, it's just a money management system. There's also a bank that goes with it. But one of the things I wanted to say too, you may be sitting here and you don't have kids or maybe your kids are raised. And when we're talking about- So this is the bank, Sheila, just real quick. So we teach you and with your kids how to give, how to save, how to spend, spend and how and to invest. invest. In other words, to be, begin to put money back in all these different areas by creating financial margins. Again, this is what we raise our kids doing. We raise our kids with this exact thing. 
So what I did is I just wrote a book to help you say, how do I do this? It's very simple. It's not a difficult book. You know, at times I've picked up actual financial books and I've read through them. I'm going, this is like too much. Yeah. I, I don't even get all this stuff and I don't even know if I need to learn it because I don't, surely if I can't learn it, I'm not going to be teaching my kids. What I wrote was just really basic concepts that makes it very easy for you to, because sometimes parents are not the best. Maybe you didn't learn yourself, and so you don't, you've not maybe managed your own money well. Yeah. There's a lot of debt there. So you want to start your kids out young so that you're learning first so that you can teach them. But I just wanted to say this. You may be sitting here and be single or, you know, you're not in the place where you have kids, and we're talking a lot about leaving your legacy and, and, and parting into your kids. But you know what? It's you too if you're single. You're leaving a legacy. Yeah. So it's not just establishing core values for your family. It's establishing core values for yourself individually. And sometimes people get overwhelmed with like, how do I do core values? You know, how to, it's the things that are just important to you. Yeah, don't go into all that right now. Yeah, but just what's important to you. And write that down and you'll have your core values. Good. Thank you, Sheila. <laughs> Chapter five in my book helps you teach that or helps you learn that. Um, the importance of right alignments. You need to be having these talks with your family. This is how we do relationships as a family. This is how we do relationships. And then finally, self-discipline, which is really the first thing. This is how we develop an I can do spirit so that we can make anything possible in our family. And it's through self-discipline. We need to be having those talks. So again, Pastor Sheila, one of my life passions, and I'm gonna spend the rest of my life, yes, as a part of this church, as the father of this house, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take people through my masterminds, through my personal coaching. We're even considering, I'm just, I'm, I'm working it through, so I'm going to go ahead and say it, but I'm, I'm even thinking about having a Zoom uh, mastermind with, at, at a lower entry point financially for people who can't uh, invest in themselves on the level that is required in my masterminds and with our, with our personal coaching. But, but we, we might just throw that out to see if there's any interest in that. Because here's the point. I'm going to teach all this stuff in depth. We, we can't do it on a weekend service. You guys understand that. Like, I can't go into every little aspect of it. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to cast the vision for it. We're going to drop it. We're going to show you on a level, biblically, from a biblical worldview, how it can happen. And we're going to raise great families in this house in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.